midwives dissecting life, work, and everything in between. This is Head On View. Welcome to Head On View. I'm Carly. And I'm Laura. And we are very excited because da, 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 we are actually face-to-face seeing each other in the flesh. We just had brunch. We did. And it was very nice to catch up and actually be in the same state. I'm just passing through for a few days. And for anyone that cares, I did find my passport. (laughs) (laughs) Have we mentioned that? I did. I did find my passport sorted throughout the storage unit. Although now I'm in an Airbnb with a lot of stuff everywhere piled up that needs organising before we go on with our travels. So I guess today we're not really going to talk about anything in particular. We thought we'd just catch up, talk about the news, whatever. This is just like your favourite debrief with your favourite midwives. That's us. (laughs) Carly, I think you should start off and like just to tell us, like give us a little bit of an overview of your travels in Tassie. I guess so. You are now. Yeah. So Tassie, love, love, love Tassie. I guess I never really envisioned in my head I never thought Tassie was somewhere that I would live long term. I guess a year is long term ish maybe. I don't know. I stayed there for a year and it was great. And there was so much to see. So anyone if you haven't been to Tassie, stunning. Just like everywhere was beautiful. Yeah. All the scenery and everyone's nice. Still got that sort of like small town vibe. So things do shut early. And also if you're a veggie like me and you're out like in the middle of Tassie, you know if you're going to the pub, the only thing you're gonna eat is a bowl of chips. Yeah. But <laughs> so true. But that's you know, that's okay. I had a great time and I worked in the same hospital for the whole year, which was nice because I wasn't moving around and I got used to the place, got used to the people. We got very short staffed at one point over COVID. When I got there, we were very untouched by COVID, you know, yeah, so we no, one, this conversation no one was wearing masks. <laughs> you know, even at the hospital, we weren't wearing masks. Yeah. There was no lockdowns. And then I think when the um, borders opened, the domestic borders And then we had maybe like a three-day lockdown, which was nothing really compared to Melbourne. And then they introduced masks. And when I left, we were still wearing masks and 95s and goggles. Um, They were still doing that close contact sort of thing. So I think at one point, half of our midwives were off either with COVID or because they were in contact isolation. So that was a bit crazy for a while, pulling lots of double shifts and over time. I mean, they're very short staff there. So if anyone wants to, I recommend it. It was such a nice hospital. Go to bed and my bath. I worked as a midwife. It was a really, actually my last day was a night shift and it was so busy, so busy that um, when they came on in the morning, they didn't have enough staff, of course. And there was like, literally there was like no one to work. So it was just like, well, what do you, you can't make people out of thin air. And I was just yeah. like, yeah, it's my last shift, bye. But I think they were just so concerned about what they were going to do. <laughs> then he was like, oh, no. um, so And you're not going to stay on for a double. <laughs> well, you can't after no, that. I mean, you, tell me you do. Sometimes I'd stay late, but so, you know, but not super late. Like, you know, you're going to finish at 7.30 and I might be there till like 8 or 8.30, but you yeah. certainly are not going to be there till like 3 p.m. I didn't know, 3 p.m. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah that's just crazy. Yeah, you fall asleep um, on the job. I think they were a little bit sad maybe, but it's so busy there. Um it was nice. I definitely felt like I'd made some friends and that everyone was nice like straight away to work for. Like I'd spoke to 
some people who've gone on agency contracts and they've just gone, oh God, that, you know, place is awful, that people were awful. So I'm like, okay, add that to my list of hospitals not to go work at. This is the best part, I guess, of travel. Now you're employed. I'm unemployed again, but that's okay because now I'm actually traveling. So yeah, so now I'm heading overseas for a few weeks. And And then I'll pick up some more work when I get back. Oh my goodness. So that's fun. Well, I'm living vicariously through Carly, as everyone knows. I've definitely not had as much exciting adventures. I changed hospitals, which is yeah. really good. And some say it changed as good as a holiday. Yeah, and it, and it was. I left, as many of you probably know, I worked at a big public hospital last year around August, September. I was like, well, I'll either just leave midwifery altogether or maybe it's just this hospital. And so I had a few things happen to me. And I wasn't supported, so I moved on to another big public hospital that was more supportive, and I learned a lot. And now I've reduced my hours there, and I work for two days a week at a beautiful private hospital as a lactation consultant, and I am loving the normal hours. <laughs> um, so my my thing this year, and like... You know, we, we've all got different things that we want to achieve, I guess, in our career, like yeah. what we're doing. But this year I decided I'm not going to support being just a number anymore in a hospital system. If they want me to work for them and they like the way I work, then they can give me the shifts I want and I'm going to work the hours I want. Because I think this is a profession that you can you can start to feel really guilty if you don't work extra hours. Of and, course. Everyone else is working doubles and doing nights and giving up, you know, evenings with their friends and their family and birthdays and engagement parties. They're missing things because. You know what I saw? Like, so kind of just in like, I saw a post on a Facebook group. So the post basically just said, I'm actually reading it word for it. So is that different what it said? <laughs> she is. I can see. It said, it said, it's overdue that we acknowledge the following as employer bullying, inadequate ratios, poor skill mix, workload issues, expected unpaid overtime, taking employees for granted. And then they've gone, the little post says why, because employers keep doing it and workplace bullying is defined as repeated and unreasonable behaviour directed towards a worker or a group of workers that creates a risk to health and safety mm. and when you read it you're like oh well oh kind of like that that actually does make yeah. that definition but yeah. you never think of it as that you never think like this is it's not what you're kind of programmed in your head to yeah, because when to you're think at work of. and you're like okay I'll pick up the extra shift yeah they're like oh thank you or you know because at my workplace they mm. do say thank you quite a lot and mm. they do make a point of you know saying to staff well in the area I work in anyways like we really appreciate you being here today but at the same time like do I have to be there like should I pick up shifts because they're short-staffed or they're short-staffed it's not my problem mm-hmm. right and you'd probably agree with me Carly but spent years in the hospital system picking up all the shifts and all yeah the doubles. And, it, and it's really hard because if, one it is not your problem to someone should do something about it but I mean this is not a short-term fix like I don't know where they're going to magically get all this stuff from but then you're also on the flip side where your colleagues become your friends and you know how shitty it is to you then have to stay and look after an unreasonable amount of people that you know it's not safe for you 
so you're like, oh my God, if someone stayed, I'd really appreciate it. And it's really hard because you're like, like you're letting down. You're not just letting yes. down your colleagues. Yeah. You're letting down your friends. Like yeah. People that you go out with. Yeah. That you hang out with outside. Yeah. But do you know how fucking hard it is for us to find a day where we can all get together? The oh, day when we had brunch, there was five of us, and it's a fantastic five, really. <laughs> and I can't remember the last time all five of us were in a room together. Really, like maybe back in 2020 when they opened up. Yeah, a long time ago. Ages ago. And I I said to myself this year, I'm not fucking doing it anymore. Like, my friends will always be my friends. It, you are not going to hate me because I'm not staying on the shift to help you out. I'm not going no, to. No, of course. You never do. And yeah, I, I always. Because that's the feeling that you get. And I always feel shit. I remember when saying to people, I'd be like, oh, can you stay? And when they say, no, sorry. I was asked recently to work all of Easter. Well, can you work all of Easter? And I was like. I don't want to work all at Easter because not like I'm religious or mm. practice or I don't go to church or anything. But you just need but a, at the same time, a break. Like I just yeah. need a break. Like I don't want to work because working Easter and I work in home visiting, so I'm always on the roads. Working those days on the road are shit because the people who haven't gone away for Easter, they're still out driving to the mm. local McDonald's. I do wonder what would happen though if everyone just said, you know what, no. I'm not going to do a double shift. I'm not going to drive time. I'm not. Well, I, people I, are starting to do that. They are, but and where, then that's where like things are falling apart because yeah. you're just like, like I mean, everything's so going to happen. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, there's only four mm. of us on, which is like nothing in yeah. domiciliary. And they're like, oh, is there any other days you can work? And I'm like, I'm only doing point four. Like I'm only doing. I refuse to do more because. Mm. What happens over time is that you get told, oh, but we really need all oh, but. That's not my fucking problem. That is a hospital problem and that's a greater, that's a national problem. If we're not yeah. treating our staff well and we're not putting yeah. their families and their friends and you don't have to have kids to want to be home with your partner or your dog or your cat. You need time away it's from like your work. It's like something yeah. will happen and it will not be okay. And and it's a workforce, it's, unfortunately, yeah. at the moment that is dwindling. And all of our grads and all of them are coming into oh, to see new staff. And it's not one hospital. It's not one mm. state. It's not one, sh- one area. Everywhere. It's everywhere. I think generally most people, if it's not affecting them personally, they don't care. They don't care. I have had patients say to me like, oh, you guys work so tirelessly and it's so hard. And then they go home. Mm. Do they care? Okay, they cared at that moment. But do people actually care that people working in hospitals that are shift workers running the countries, like running the country, like truck drivers and police officers? And, you know, if we all stood down, what would happen? Mm. So there was a news article that I saw the other day and it was in like Wollongong? 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 I don't know my hospital, but I just saw the article and it basically said there was like two staff looking after like 22 COVID patients, which is insane in itself. You know, the staff are then going home, most likely, guessing to family or pets or kids or maybe they have another job as well. Mm. Maybe they're trying to pay off a mortgage and they work. And it said, yeah, and then they interviewed a midwife in the same hospital and then she said on some days she's asked to care for up to 
28 people. That's mothers and babies. So I'm guessing that's like 14 mums, 14 mm. babies. That's insane. It, that is insane. Could you imagine a shift on a postnatal? And even as a woman, like if you're there, like how are you expecting you're going to get any sort of reasonable care if your midwife yep. is looking after 13 other mums How many times and their babies? for the morning shift and the, by the time you get into the room, the woman's like, Oh, I didn't really see anyone on the night. Oh, or they just came yeah. in and shoved a bottle in my baby's yeah. face and said, just feed it. Or on a morning or... shift, which generally starts around 7 o'clock, and the first time you see them, it's like midday. Yeah. Because you're just like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. No, oh, maybe you were the one woman that would mm. be okay without me being in here because they're like a normal vaginal birth and it's the third child they've breastfed. Yeah. You're just... But you get in there and they're in tears because they have not had one person lay out. Of course, and they feel ignored and they don't feel looked after. Um, and then that makes you feel bad as well. It's, oh, it's like a never ending. This is so anger inducing. And we talk about this. I feel we talk about this every time we talk because it's such an issue. It's, such, a, it's like, such an issue. I can't see any sort of solution out of this. And I can't see that anyone seems to be really doing anything to fix it. I, we say, I feel like, I think we say, that. we say, I feel like way too much. Okay, sorry. But <laughs> <laughs> so. The next generation of graduates that are coming through now, and they're starting off in the postnatal mm -hmm. order, they're starting off in birth suite, their behavior and how they practice in five years, they're being molded now. They were molded as students. Mm -hmm. So when you're a student, I remember being a student, go get that water, go do this, go change the sheets. You're sort of like this little mini slave that you're supposed to also be completely holistic with women and learn all these amazing mm. midwifery skills, but yet you're still getting water and emptying bedpans and doing all this dumb shit as well, right? Yes. Then, or just basic care. <laughs> and then you become a graduate and you're working point eight. you're working doubles because you're encouraged to work a lot and you're expected to work a lot because everyone else around you is doing doubles mm. and working a lot. And you don't have a nice roster where it's like three days to no. move on. It's and, like all over the and shop. And it seems to be completely acceptable and okay to sit in the tea room and complain tirelessly about your workload and how shit it is and how poor management is. And then you cut your shift short because you're like, oh, I have to go do that breastfeed with that woman. And you go back to you don't cut it. your ship short you cut your break but this is it's it's systemic okay so the graduates are going to be like we are in five years because they're learning from yeah. behavior so the behavior of the midwives and the nurses has to change mm. we have to start saying no yeah we have to and there's only so long like mentally and physically yeah. you can do it before you just go no yeah, nah, and you have to actually be able to stand up to a an, an employer. And so I was recently asked to work permanent on a ward I didn't want to work permanent on. And it was a veiled, what do you call it, like approach to getting me onto the ward to work, but then I couldn't do the other job that I really mm. wanted to do. Mm. And it was sort of proposed as a, oh, just we'll get you on as permanent. So this can happen then you can do this and I'm like but really that's never going to happen that's actually yeah. never going to happen so what what's actually going to happen is you're going to then have me employed as ward staff and I'm never going to get the other shifts in the other department I want 
because it's you're always given age yeah. on a ward, permanent yeah. ward. Mm. And it was hard for me to actually say no and actually say, look, I understand what you're trying to do and I understand you need staff on the ward, but I don't want to be employed at your hospital as that. Yeah. But it took a lot of guts for me to do that. And I was scared that I was like, oh, I would have blown my chances completely at this place. But it didn't because in the end, they need people. Yeah. Right? And they wanted me to work in lactation and... And no one else is going to look after your own happiness but yeah. you, basically. Like, you are responsible for your own happiness. Yeah, and at the so. end of the day, am I going home and saying, I'm really happy today that I made someone else's job easier? Yeah. No. Exactly. I want to come home and say, I made my, mm. I made a decision today about how I want to practice and the hours I want to do. So the nurse in America, oh, yeah. the... And I know they have different systems Yeah, So the one, she did a medication error and a patient died and she's now being charged. Was it like, an insulin error or something? It was something to do. No, it was like um, they have different drug names in America. Yeah. They call it yeah. Versa, but I think it was Medazolam, not Medazolam. I think she was meant to give Medazolam but gave something else. So, And they, they obviously have different practices there, but at the end of the day, it came down to a nurse gave medication error, someone died, and then normally I guess if something happened like that here, if it was just a one-off, you would get by upper, I guess, or the nursing midwifery board. Yeah, I don't probably, think it would be criminal case straight away. And I think here you would you would definitely have to deal with opera. Yeah. And you of course. have it like as in, you know, when you when you re-register every year with Upper and they have to ask yeah. any cases against you, you yeah. definitely have yeah. to say that. So whereas she got trialled in a criminal court, so I got um, charged with homicide, which is basically the same as like, oh, I went out and killed someone, you yeah. know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. what people do yeah. in them. And that just sort of makes you think, okay, well, if hospitals are doing that, yet they also want you to work these really unsafe practices yeah. and hours. Yeah. Yeah. If how many people was she looking after? I, I, so I think the basic story is, this is just from what I've got from reading news articles, is that she was what they sort of call a float nurse. Yeah. So someone who would, you know, go around all different areas. So you may not necessarily be familiar with all the areas if you're floating. Yeah. And I've certainly been to hospitals as well where they've said, oh, okay, we need you to go to this other ward and work there. And I have flat out refused because I've said I'm not familiar with this type of nursing. You yeah. think it's safe for me? to go and mm. work and look after, you know, eight patients overnight with in minimal support <laughs> in a ward where I've got no idea. Oh, yes, well, you're a nurse. Well, I may be a nurse, but it doesn't mean I have yeah. experience. You know, we have specialties. Yeah, exactly. Like, like doctors. Yeah. So so I've, I've flat out refused, like, things like that, and that's okay because you've got to look after yourself. If the hospital had a problem with it, well, that's on them. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. If you're, yeah. you're not covered, exactly. right? I say no to looking after certain patients if it's a gynae patient or I can't mm. work, work in a high dependency mm. unit at my hospital because I'm not a nurse and if they asked me to I would say no at my old hospital I used to say no to working with gynae mm. patients because I'm actually my registration does not cover me as a registered midwife to work with some surgical patients mm. right like if they're not maternity maternity ones yeah yeah so, so this nurse, I... So this nurse, she was so just a general nurse, I'm assuming, float yeah. nurse. She was also working with a new employee, like orientating them. Yeah. Um, 
and then she had to take this one patient down for a scan and they had like electronic medication system. Yep. So where you have to go, and I've worked with some hospitals where it's like that, you have to go yeah. and you put the patient number in and it should recognise what, you know, medications they yeah. have. So it's, it depends how intricate their system is. Yeah. But essentially what happened was that the system wasn't working properly. So throughout the the days, and I think even the weeks before, everyone had just been like manually overriding the system and just taking the drugs out. Yeah. She's done that and... She's taken a drug, but she's taken the wrong drug. And that's another thing, I guess, they were looking for drugs under the brand name, which is a thing that we all learn as a student. The brand name and the... Generic. The brand name and the generic name are often very different. Yeah. And But honestly, you will still get to hospitals and see on the drug chart that the brand name is charted and yeah. not, it happens all the time. And that's yeah. on the doctor shouldn't do that. And I know it's hard, but technically we should not be giving those drugs. But I yeah. get it. I get it. It's hard. Coming back and yeah. saying, actually, can you write? Yeah, the proper, write this up properly. Proper yeah, in, because that's yeah. your job. But I get it. It's hard. You know, it's not always easy to do that. <laughs> She's pulled this drug out that is maybe not, well, it's 100% not the drug that she wants. <laughs> Apparently, they have some little scanner thing where you're meant to scan the patient's bracelet and then that should say, oh, this is the drug that you're meant to give. But yeah. that wasn't working. Oh, okay. Here, when we give injectables like IV, we are meant to have a double sign, two yeah, nurse yeah. check. Um, and from what I've read, they don't have that in America. So then she's got no one checking. She gives it and then it's like a paralytic drug. But then for some reason, I don't know, maybe she didn't have to or didn't need to stay mm. with them because that was just like you dropped them off for a scan. I know where I've worked, we didn't even go with people to scans. No, the it's just like the orderly would take them. Unless it says on the, we have a form when someone goes to, mm. you know, CT or someone goes to another department and it says, does it need like a nurse, nurse yeah. midwife, escort. Escort. Yeah. And then, so I think this all happened a few years ago. So apparently she realised her error mm. and reported it and then the hospital... I, don't, I think what happened then is the hospital didn't go on and file it with their official body, whoever uh, the official body okay. is in yeah, America. Yeah. So they just said, okay, that's been acknowledged. She went to the Board of Nursing, the American Board of Nursing. Mm. They said, okay, that's fine. It's on your record, but we, you're still fine to practice. Right. So the family received some sort of payout from the hospital, don't know what, and the death was actually ruled as natural causes. Oh. Uh, I know. And then what happened is maybe a year, two years later, I'm not quite sure the time scale, yep. a anonymous complaint was made to one of these boards who then went and investigated. And then they investigated the hospital and was like, well, hang on, all these fingers wasn't done. So then the hospital then have put it back on the nurse who then oh. after this, this, you know, this has already been heard through the nurse's board. And then she gets caught up again and now they say, okay, now you're not fit to practice. Now your licence has been taken away. And you charge. Oh, and now you're going to be charged as well. So then it all goes through the court system now. Right. So for this nurse, who, this is an awful thing to happen anyway. Mm. Um, and obviously there was errors and there was mistakes. So that yeah. needed to be, something should have been addressed so that, it, you know, so that this couldn't happen yeah. again or something yeah. should have been placed mm. to put in again. But from her point of view, she's thinking, okay, I've done all this. They've sent her my care to practice. This is this is mm. done. And then two years later, it gets dragged up again. And now she's going to prison. So there's a nurse, quite a popular nurse, 
on social media, you know, near Spike. Yes, yes. Through Instagram. And he has, in his stories, brought up the issue about, he's always bringing up issues about ratios mm. and how even though the family and people involved in this incident, you know, and someone lost their life, but, you know, how, how busy do you have to be to make that mistake? You're unfamiliar ward, you're training, you're pro she's probably been told to train someone unnecessarily, like for her position as a floater, you know, systems were not working. There's all these things. And he was bringing up all these issues. In America, I've, it's like they care more about water bottles on the desk. Like, you know, that have your yes, water bottle yeah. at the desk, you know, then this nurse has 16 patients and she's barely seen you know, half of them yeah. because of the acuity level yeah. that she's run off her yeah. feet. And I know this is in, in America, but I can see the oh, parallels. So we've talked about the pretty few episodes back, yeah. awful things that happen here as well, regardless of all the checks and safety, you know. And it's and we've all and, been there where you've yeah. checked. Like I've checked something with just recently. I was actually in the room while two grads or two junior midwives were yeah. checking something and they had the drug cupboard open mm -hmm. and they were talking and I just stopped and I was like, wait a minute, do you, are you guys both grads? They said, yeah, okay. well, one of you leave and I'll do the check mm. because it's not fair to ask two junior midwives to be responsible because responsible yeah. they were actually debating whether something was the right dose. So two junior midwives should not be standing there debating whether it's a like, slow release or an immediate release. And if you don't know this, what are you just going to go with someone who goes, oh, yeah, I think that's right? And you're like, okay, yeah. then. So saying, I wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like, and I approached them like, it's, you shouldn't, you actually yeah. shouldn't be in this situation. Mm -hmm. And if you ever feel like you're in this situation, stuff what you're doing and find a senior midwife. And if a senior midwife says they don't have time, then you go to the educator, find someone else. Because it's not fair on them. Because what if they give some immediate release when they're supposed to give them a slow release and it's a blood pressure drug, mm. right? Like there's so many different mistakes that you can make and it's not fair. I know. And I know it's it's easy for us sitting here saying, slow down. It's, it's <laughs> a lot easier to say it than to do it. But at the end of the day, you are responsible for everything you're doing. Yes. And you think a big hospital is going to protect you over themselves? You know, like, you know it sounds been, awful, but... You know what I've been told, um, you know, like, so, because I work in the community, mm. right, and we do have a system where we have a little computer system and yeah. we have variances. So if something is a variance, we have to write about it. But what if someone you've seen is it's all normal, there's really nothing wrong, and we do see women like that occasionally. Yeah. And there's no variance, Right. Yeah. So you put no variances, but I always still write a note in a yeah. folder called maternal clinical notes or infant clinical notes that, yeah. you know, the baby was warm, pink, alert with good yeah. tone, breastfeeding independently, um, normal weight loss, normal output. Like I put all, you know, the standard things. Mm. And then someone said to me, no, you don't have to do that because your variances are normal. And I'm like, no, I have to, because what if something happens? And all you've wrote is normal. So I'm like, yeah. I'm covering my ass because what if this baby, you know, unfortunately something happens to this baby mm. and the last notes that were written about this baby were nothing. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely nothing. So, you know, it's, it sucks that we have to 
cover our ass that much, but that's, I mean, that's healthcare. Really? So. I feel like this podcast started off so light and stuff. And I did see something else on, I mean, obviously I clearly get all my news on Facey. The male contraceptive pill. Did you see the, it's kind no. of, so they've been testing like a male contraceptive pill and it's been found to be like 99% effective in preventing pregnancy. It's a non-hormonal one. So not like the hormonal ones that ladies take where it can just like... Make you crazy. Yeah, make you crazy, increase your risk of cancer, blah, 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 all this stuff. Yeah, so just, I guess, another option. And it just made me think, I was like, would you, you know, like when, you know, when you're taking the pill yourself, you know, you know yourself mm. that you are... Are you asking, would we trust men? Which, I mean, <laughs> despite the fact that, like, one... Sorry you, if anyone's offended. It's, it's not going to cover you for STDs if you're just taking a pill, which yeah, we all yeah, know. Yeah. But also, would you trust if you met some rando out who said, on the, I'm on, on the, the pill? pill? Because at the end of the day, they can have a one-night stand, walk away, and there's no consequences for them, really, unless you've obviously got an STD to give to them. But, like, in terms of, like, pregnancy-wise, like... Yeah. They're not going to be the one who, if there was something, and I, I don't know, it, it was interesting. And then does it open it, up the whole, this whole gamut of, well, I was on the pill, so it can't be my baby. I know people on the pill, like ladies, obviously, because the male pills are out there, who've been on the pill and got pregnant, because we all yeah. know it's not 100% effective. It's and there's things that can affect it, like if you're sick or if you don't take it at the same time each day and yeah. blah, 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 yeah. you start taking other medications. Yeah, exactly. I just thought it was interesting. Is it something that maybe you'd only use if you were in a committed relationship and you knew? Or do you think it's like a good option for a lot of men don't want to Having me, which is fair enough. One should be forcing, yeah, you know, um, healthy people to have an unnecessary yeah, surgery. Yeah, yeah, that's my male friends, and they're like, "Oh, no, I don't want a vasectomy." But do you think they would take? They would take a contraceptive pill. I don't know. I think it would be interesting to see. Yeah, what I mean, I could see, I could see the advantage of it, but also, I, I would think if I was single and out, and someone just said to me, I'd be like. But I'm the, like, you know, I, I don't know. And this is probably like a slightly feminist comment. Mm. But, you know, some people don't care about an issue unless it's directly affecting them. Yeah. So I feel like maybe some men would say, well, I don't want to take the pill because I don't know what's in it. I don't want to put things into my body. Well, we've been putting fucking shit into our bodies for years. With yes. To yeah. prevent pregnancies. We've been jamming stuff up there. Yeah. We've been putting weird little you know, devices into our uterine cavities. We've been putting, into your head. we've been taking all sorts of pills. We've mm. been withdrawal methods. And, and then we are the ones um, that at the end of the day, it, essentially a man can go out and sleep with, I don't know, like 300 people if you like that guy from maths. Anyway, <laughs> and then technically get them all pregnant. Once you're a girl, once you're pregnant, unless it's very rare, you can't actually get pregnant again whilst pregnant doesn't happen often. But generally, <laughs> once you're pregnant, that's it. You're out of the game for nine months. Whereas these men can be sleeping can with everyone. So I'm wondering when COVID first started and yeah. there were people up in arms and, you know, like men up in arms about being told what to do with their bodies. My and body, women, my choice, bitch. Women, yeah. and women are here like, how does it feel now, lads? Like, yeah. this fucking noose has been around our neck for centuries. Yeah. And, you know, so I feel like, don't get me started on feminism. And 
Anyone who knows my husband, he is the first to be like, go women. I don't see how men would be okay with taking a pill. It's hard, isn't it? I mean, it, what does it's it actually good. do? Like, what but, does it actually do? I, you know, like with women, it stops the release of the egg down the fallopian tube, right? I don't know. To be honest, I didn't read that far into the news article. <laughs> I generally read headlines and... I love it. So, I generally read headlines yeah. and kind of skip over the rest. So I don't know if... I mean, it says it's non-hormonal, so I don't know if it just somehow kills the sperm or they don't get released or they just get absorbed back into the body. I don't know how it technically works. They say it's not going to mess with their hormones because it's non-hormonal. So interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to think if it's not messing with their testosterone levels, then what's it doing? And would that make a difference to, it, to a man? Yeah. Yeah. And does it have any bearing on their function? Times makes women crazy. Yeah. Like they don't have great lubrication and all this sort of stuff. Like does that, is it going to have the same effect on men? And then once they stop it, are there going to be effects afterwards? Yeah. Are they going to yeah. be like turn into crazy bitches? Like some women are on yeah. the pill. Some people go completely psychotic on the pill. Yeah, exactly. Like they can't um, have a change in their hormone levels or, you know, it makes makes them, you know, like back in the women, 80s, there was all like, I killed them because I had premenstrual tension. <laughs> but women have been expected to take the pill, even though it messes up your body a lot. And it's just like, oh, just take the pill. Remember in the 60s, women's liberal movement is that, you know, they didn't want women to have the choice to mm. to stop having babies. <laughs> I'm trying to find out exactly, but there's a lot of words, a lot of information. They've said they've done it non-hormonal because they avoid the um, side effects that you get with hormones. Well, thanks for doing that for us ladies. That was nice. Yeah, I'd like to yeah. see where it goes in yeah. in terms of healthcare. And if it does get released. And also, would it be free? Are they going to be expected to pay for it? Oh, well, so, subsidised. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. So in, I'm originally from England and in England the pill was free. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I came to Australia and was like, what, you have to pay for this? So surely you should be encouraging young ladies not to, you know, have babies they don't want. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. Was in, that was another thing um, that you have to pay. So is this something that would be some? Would it be taxed? I don't know. We were in a... Yeah. We were, at the gallery in Victoria, yeah. National Gallery of Victoria, and in the bathroom they have those little things on the wall. Oh, the machines. The machines. Yeah. And my daughter I don't see that much anymore. was so mad that it mm. cost money. Mm. She's like, what do you mean you have to put money in it? And I said, oh, it says $2. She's like, $2 for a tampon? She's like, but what if you don't have $2 and you really need a tampon? <laughs> That's when you're stuffing toilet paper in your undies. And Which is fucking <laughs> ridiculous. And it raised a really good point. I said, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. She's like, but mum, what if you're a young girl and you don't have, and you've never told anyone you have your period? What if you're homeless? What if you're someone who, who just ran out and you don't have any coins on you or it, your payday's not until tomorrow? Like, she brought up all these interesting points yeah. and she's not even, she's only 10. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's, those are all really good points. She's like, I'm so mad. She's like, we should, people should just bring in tampons and pads and put them on the top of the little box. for <laughs> All valid points. And I think I lived with this for so long that you just don't even. 
We've always been playing with the period. <laughs> yeah, you don't even click it anymore. You're just like, yeah, this is outrageous, but what is? So, okay, that's what well, we need. The younger edit this, it's going to be like you started off talking about holidays. I know. And people dying of medication errors and now feminist <laughs> movement. No, but we need the younger generation up here changing because they are the ones who, they're going to be the future. So they need yeah. to be stepping up for yeah. things that are right. And, and this goes, and that it does, it goes, it ties in well with what we were talking about. And we need all of our new midwives and our new nurses and our new people in healthcare, new doctors, yeah, new medical students to actually stop and say this is not right. And I'm sure we, God, we should get a medical student on one day. And, yeah. You know, I'm sure the bullshit they go through is ridiculous as well. So, you know, we need people to actually start speaking up about how bad it is. I did just want to finish one thing. So I know how we always be like, oh, we love feedback kind of stuff. But what happens when you get feedback that you don't love? We got some feedback that we didn't love. Yeah. We did an episode. It was one of our quite early episodes, like yeah, fourth or fifth yeah, yeah. or something. And we're not experts on burnout. I mean, we're not experts on anything, really. <laughs> I mean, really. we just <laughs> use this pod to sort of talk about what we're feeling, what we're seeing observations and just a little debrief sometimes. and yeah and yeah. just have a rant so anyway someone commented and said that they were listening to the burnout one and then they were like oh you lost me with the old nurses like worked 30 years type comment I don't want to be like that comment there's such a thing as editing before you start insulting colleagues <laughs> I don't think what I said was offensive I don't want to offend people because I'm pretty sure we never said all nurses who've been there for, you know what I mean? I was like, this is not what I'm saying. I, I've, I've, listened, like, I've listened back to it and it was, I feel like it was a general comment that was made about the the different types of, of personalities nurse, yes. and midwives yes, that, that you've worked met, with. Okay. Work with. Because I think, yes, I have worked with some nurse, you know, I've worked with like seven-year-old midwives that are amazing and have great stories to tell me yeah. about everything they've done and I can learn mm -hmm. a lot from them. Yeah, yeah. And yet I've also worked with people who are not necessarily, well, old in like air quotes. She's doing air quotes. I mean, <laughs> but it could be someone who's worked in the same job for five years, ten years, could even only have worked there for two years, but they hate it. They hate working there and yeah. they're still working there. So that was kind of more what it was directed at, those people who stay in a job that they hate and they become yeah. bitter. Yeah. And and often it just is people who've worked there for a long time because, I don't know, they, yeah. they don't want to move or they I feel they can't that, move. That and, level, and I, uh, I know what you're saying. That level, yeah. level of bitterness and mm. angriness takes time. Takes to time get, to build up. Like, yeah. It, I worked at my last hospital for six years. Yeah. I was yes. literally the person that walked in and went, fuck this fucking place is a shit person to work with. Yeah. And I was not great to work with because anytime anyone ever said anything to me, I'd be like, oh, whatever, don't fucking care anymore. It does take a little while for you to build up that anger. Mm. I only recognized it because I had a few really lovely colleagues that were like, you're always angry. Mm. What is wrong? Like people who actually took me yeah. aside and were con genuinely concerned about me. Yeah. We make a comment about older midwives. Well, you know what? There are people like that that we work with. Yeah. And you've been sitting in the same yeah. hospital and quite happily trudging along for 25, 35 years in the same place and you're mad about it. So I think that what we're saying is we don't, 
necessarily like I didn't see someone and be like oh you're old you must be yeah, no, yeah. angry at home. Like, and that's why I think this person took it like that but I was like that's not what we're saying because I've worked with plenty of older midwives younger whatever whatever a whole host of people that are great yeah but I have also worked with people that I think mm, you probably need to get a new job or move or or cut your days or do something because this is clearly not good for you yeah like you're hating being here I hate when I have to work with you so this is our observation and I guess when you were putting stuff out in a public forum, as public as we get, I don't know, <laughs> to the people that listen, to a weird yes, you know what, like everyone, everyone is not going to like what you're saying no. and everyone's not going to like you. So you do have to take some the truth constructive hurts. criticism. The truth, it does. It hurts. So people say to you, you're really not pleasant to work with it. So it does hurt. Yeah. So, so you know, <laughs> if you want to give us feedback, we will take it on board. We might not like it. Uh, but that's okay because everyone has their own opinions and I do I do like to address it when we get feedback because that's and that's know, what I it's all about and for giving us feedback because because they us, took time out of their day that's to right do that. and and they didn't have it, to it can also highlight for other people you know maybe there is some maybe there's someone you're working with that you think mm -hmm. is really unhappy maybe there's someone that needs to have a chat with someone maybe something's going on in their life you but know. highlight for us that we sometimes need to clarify things yeah Definitely. If you don't hate us, give us a like and a follow yeah. on uh, on Instagram. Yeah, like us greatly, and you don't like something we said, then that's fine. You can that's comment. That's fine. You can come and tell us because I like to know what people are thinking. Where we are, people too. So don't be too mean. So true. Done. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, and um, we will see you all next time. Until the next episode, it's time to boot this baby home. I didn't know it was still recording.